Welcome to the How's Your Soul podcast. My name is Andrew, and you are listening to Season 1, Episode 8, Double Trouble, where we look into the power of shame and guilt and how over time they can leave a deep wound in your soul. So when I typically start an episode, I do a lot of research, both things that I've already learned and have read and try to pull that into the episode, but then I'll do some ex- external research uh, because I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about this or I know a little about this and I'm, I try to become a little bit well-rounded before I have a conversation like this on a platform like this, but man, for some reason, when it came to the concept and topic of shame and guilt... It was really, really difficult to prep for this. Like this is probably the most difficult I've ever had preparing for a podcast. And not necessarily because it's a topic that we're really unfamiliar with. Everyone knows shame and guilt. But I feel like specifically in religious circles or I'll just use my world, okay, being a follower of Jesus, I feel like shame and guilt has so many, it's like this weird tangled web. Uh, let, let me let me like dive into that a little bit and explain. And I, and I think this podcast will probably be really, really, really conversational. I, I don't, I just don't have an answer for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning with you. And I would love for you to comment, share your story, share your thoughts on shame and guilt. Because for me, really, I'm, I'm just trying to figure, figure this out and wrap my mind around it. I think in in Christian circles specifically, and I know in a lot of other religions, shame and guilt is almost like a, it's almost like an indicator. It's like a sin indicator. Right? It's like a little beeper that goes off when you've done something wrong. And it's actually considered a good thing in many religious circles. Right? As a follower of Jesus, shame and guilt should be a natural feeling of doing something that is not what God wants you to do. And then your soul now has an opportunity, has a choice uh, to react. You can either continue down the same path or you can go back towards towards Christ. Right, And so it's almost like in many instances, when we have that feeling of shame or we have that feeling of guilt, it's like a gut check for us to say, oops, I've done something wrong. Let me reconcile that with Jesus and then continue to pursue him and move away from that thing, right? And in an addictive lifestyle, it's actually important to some extent to feel that guilt because ultimately that's a telltale sign that we know that we're messing up. When we when we are, this is, can be, this is a worst case scenario, but when we are living in an addictive lifestyle and we're shameless towards that, that could be a very dangerous place, right? When we become so comfortable looking at pornography or so comfortable, right, becoming drunk on the weekend or become so comfortable being the hothead, right, that you just blow up, you're angry and you have no remorse, you're shameless, right? That's seen as a bad thing too, Right, that's it's almost like a little bit of shame is okay, right? But a lot of shame is not okay. I don't know what that. I don't know how to correlate that to anything. But that's kind of how I'm feeling as I've kind of dove into this topic. I'm like, I don't really know where to go, but that's what I'm seeing. And maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. So in my life, I'm like, if you have if you have this feeling of guilt or feeling of shame, it's like an indicator, right? It's an indicator allows me to respond, and that's 
I think that's where I want to sit a little bit. Let's unpack that because I feel like our soul can kind of do two things with that feeling, that initial feeling. One can turn shame and guilt into a very positive experience and a growing experience. But the second is it can turn into a very negative experience. And honestly, it becomes like this slow burden of the soul, the slow killer of the soul. And so here's what I mean. I think one thing that our soul does if it, if it experiences shame and guilt is it can like redirect it. It can redirect the feeling of shame and guilt towards healing. So it takes that in, right? It takes in that feeling and it's like that gut check moment, that oh crap moment, right? God, you're calling me to a higher standard. Let me have grace and mercy for myself because you show that to me. But then let me respond in according to how I feel and move back to you. I feel like that's one way that the soul can process through the feeling of shame and guilt when we've done something wrong. The second thing, and I often feel myself existing in this world, is my soul can take the feeling of shame and guilt, and I'm going to say it consumes it. It becomes like a part of me. Right, I allow shame and guilt to get really comfy cozy with my soul and they become like this weird relationship where they become really entangled with each other. Let me let me give you an example, a story, and we'll kind of go from there. So I actually just found this out like a few months ago. Um, anytime someone texted me, emailed me, whatever, even though it was just, they're passing me by in the hallway at work or wherever I was. And they say, Hey, can I have a quick conversation with you real fast in my office? Or, Hey, can I, can I call you real quick? Um, Hey, can I chat real fast? Right. Anything that was like this quick, um, like, Hey, can I talk real quick kind of concept, but there was an ambiguity to what we were talking about. I instantly became like very, very, very anxious. And it's like all I would think about, I would be totally derailed if I was working and that was the conversation. Hey, can you step into my office real quick? Nah, that actually sounds like it was going to be a bad thing. Hey, can we chat real quick? Right? I would instantly be very anxious. I'd be thinking about what does he want to talk about? You know, what does she want to talk about? What? Uh, I would just be in that space and I wouldn't know what to do. And I'd put my guard up. I'd, I'd kind of like, like get ready for it. Like I was about to be like I'm in trouble or something. And I never thought anything about it at all. Like for me, literally, I thought that was a very natural response. In the unknown, we go negative, right? I've always heard that said. And in, in, in the absence of information, people go negative. And so I'm like, well, this is, a, this is a very natural response, I feel like, to a conversation that I just don't know what it's going to be about, is to take it personally. <laughs> like it's going to be about me. It's going to be about something that I'm doing wrong or not, not doing my best. And I just need to prepare for that. Well, that all broke down when... Uh, I, I forget. I don't know if it was, I, I don't know if it was my birthday or, oh, what was it? Um, I'm forgetting the specific, like, it's not a holiday, but like special day, uh, that it was, but my wife, she says, Hey, I have, I have, a, I have, a, I have like a special, I don't know what she said, like a special thing for you or whatever. And it was just like a text and, um, there's ambiguity in it, right? Because there's a lot, like, there's a lot of different things It ended up just being a nice dinner. Um, out to a place that we wanted to eat at uh, for a while. But in the moment when I got that text, I actually, I became very, very anxious. And like throughout my work day, I would keep coming back to it and I, I would get anxious again. And I, I didn't know why. I was like, this is a very odd thing to be very anxious about. Like, am I supposed to be anxious about this? 
And I remember thinking about it and typically, here's just a little piece of advice. Typically when, when you have a soul wound, right? I thought this is, this has to be a wound. This has to be some kind of soul wound. Like nobody should be responding like this to something like your wife is pleasantly doing for you, right? Like that just seems very off. And so I always go back to my childhood. (laughs) It's just a very good, a lot of soul wounds, a lot of soul wounds come from your childhood. Uh, I'm blessed to have an amazing childhood, but that doesn't mean it was without any wounds. And so uh, there wasn't anything there. And so I'm like, okay, let's sift through kind of the other traumatic experiences, worked my way through middle school and high school, nothing there. And then I got to my time with, with um, my time with, with, with the church that I was fired from. And it wasn't exclusively uh, the church. There's, there's other instances and, and scenarios that kind of built into this, but there was a lot of conversations that happened that started with Hey, can I see you in my office real quick? Or hey, can I can we have a quick conversation that ended up being, hey, you're not doing this well enough, or hey, you messed up here. And maybe the person having that conversation did not intend for me to take it the way that I took it, but I always took it very hard because I'm hard on myself, as is everyone. And I just loaded. I just like took the shovel and just dumped shame and guilt all over myself. I just piled it on high and deep. And I would just live in that shame and guilt and beat myself up for not being enough, even though I was a young leader, full of mistakes, needing grace and patience from everybody, right? I thought I needed to always be more. And so anytime I wasn't enough, I would just pile that on. As a matter of fact, very transparently, this is something I wrestle with today all the time. I actually was just talking to my boss, who him and I have a really awesome relationship. And I was just saying, like, that is a feeling that I struggle with, that I am never enough. I'm never enough. And that stems, and it actually, not just stems, it comes out. It shows itself in these moments where you get like a, hey, can you come by my office real quick? Or, hey, can we have a quick chat? The, the shame and guilt that I have poured on myself instantly comes back, and I'm like, here we go again. Here's another conversation where I'm not enough. And it's because I've allowed shame and I've allowed guilt to infiltrate my soul and become a part of who I am, who I see myself as. I see myself as not enough. And anytime these kind of conversations come up or anytime these scenarios come up, that's the first thing that I think about. And I begin to process that. And I'm like, building trust is going to be impossible. Right? I think like, man, I'm just going to live with this for the rest of my life. Absolutely not. I will never have a close relationship with my wife if I always think I'm not enough. I have to be vulnerable. I have to allow grace. I have to allow patience. I have to allow myself to grow, time to grow, room to grow in my relationship with her, in my relationship with my friends, in my relationship with my coworkers. If I just, if I allow myself to identify as I'm never going to be enough, there's not an opportunity for me to build trust with others and be vulnerable. I'm always going to have my guard up. I'm always going to have my defenses up. And so for me, this conversation is so real, right? As I'm thinking about shame and guilt, I'm like, oh my goodness, it is everywhere. It's like coded my life. And the sad thing is I didn't even know it existed. It's like this, it's like this parasite that I've just become accustomed to just leeching off of my soul. It's there and it's become such a part of me. And, and here's the scary part. And here's, here's why I kind of attributed it this analogy to a parasite is, is and, and people know this, right? With, in, within the animal kingdom, even within humans in, in third world countries too, like, like re- the removal of a parasite from you 
the removal of a parasite could potentially lead to the death of that animal, that person, whatever. Right? Like, like the parasite is so attached. It's such a part at that point of the animal, of that person, that the removal of that is too damaging. It's so damaging that it ends up killing whatever that parasite was clinging to, right? You've seen that. I don't know if you, I, I used to watch like Animal Planet and there was a, there was like this terrifying scene where that was that was the case. Like the removal of the parasite actually killed the animal and it's like just, just like glued to my brain now. But um, I, it, that really feels in many cases like shame and guilt. Like if you allow, if the soul consumes, it just eats up and it allows shame and guilt to just live and coexist with your soul. You not only begin to, attribute who you are through the lens of shame and guilt but the removal of that to be free of shame and guilt could actually feel like you're losing a part of yourself that's like that blows my mind it's almost like I, I, it's almost like I'm I'm more comfortable living within shame and guilt my dad said my dad always says it's it's the oh I don't want to butcher this it's the devil I know Right, it's like I don't want to move out of this situation because it's the devil I know. Right, I'm, I'm accustomed to it. I know the ins and out of it. I know what's going to hurt. I know what's not going to hurt. And I almost feel like we do that with shame and guilt. It's like it's the devil I know. Right, I know what it feels like. I become. It's almost like I become oddly comforted by my self identity in my in my shame and my guilt. And the and the and the thought of removing that from me is is scary. It's uncertain. It's unknown. It's it's vulnerable, and I don't want to do it. And and I, as I continue this conversation, I continued researching this. I'm like, oh my goodness, why aren't we talking about this, church? <laughs> Where is this conversation? Shame and guilt are the silent killers of the soul. They're there and they exist and they cohabitate with our soul, and be, they become so ingrained with who we are. Here, let me. Let me dive deeper real quick. I actually want I want to split shame and guilt. I know I keep saying shame and guilt. They're two different things. They're intimately tied together. Okay, but they are two different things. So let me let me unpack that to give us more clarity as we continue the conversation. So when I talk shame, I talk more I am statements. Okay? It's not just a feeling that we had because we've done something wrong. It is we internalize the wrong that we've done and we've now identified because of it. Right? It's like uh, for example, it's like, okay, someone who's addicted to pornography, right? There might be feelings of guilt that continually come up, up every time they, they experience or have, right? Or, or they're looking at porn. But eventually, if, if, their soul, if their soul continues to consume the guilt, it will inevitably turn into an I am statement. And then they will live in the shame of that statement, right? I'm, they will, they'll say things like, I'm always going to struggle with this. I can never beat this. This is just who I am. And that plays out in so many different areas of our life, right? I'm always going to be angry. I'm always going to be shy. I'm always going to be um, afraid to do this. I'm always going to be uncertain. I'm always going to have anxiety. I'm always going to be um, bitter towards this person. I will never forgive that person. I will never be like my parents. I will always be like this. I will never be like that. And we've allowed shame to become an identity statement in our life. And the reason why this is so impactful and the reason why this often goes unnoticed is because I am statements are one of the most comfortable things for us to live in. 
right? Living into an I am statement feels like we have purpose and potential. It feels like we finally came to a self-understanding. And let me tell you, man, I don't want to get highly political and there's a lot of people in a lot of different places, but we live in a world that celebrates broken I am statements. Is that not the truth? There is a world around us that just celebrates broken I am statements. And rather than looking towards the one who created us, who knows us, who has an identity for us that's so much better than the one we can give ourselves, we choose to self-identify based off of, not always, but based off of the shame that we experience. Let me talk about guilt real quick. Guilt destroys, and I've wrestled with the two words because they're, to me, they kind of feel, it destroys purpose and potential. When I was first coming up with the, uh, when I was like writing the show notes for episode eight, uh, I, I wasn't going to call it double trouble. I was just going to call it shame, guilt, and fear. I was going to be straight up. Uh, shame, guilt, and fear. But as I really dug into fear, I often found it was like a sub response to guilt. Let me break that down, right? So when I've, when I've done something wrong and I feel guilt, right? It's hard to just explain what guilt is. It really is kind of this feeling, this gut punch, if you will, of like, oof, I shouldn't have done that or I know I shouldn't have done that, right? That feeling of guilt, again, can be turned into an opportunity to move closer to Jesus, to reconcile and restore a relationship with him or with others, right? Because let's be honest, it's not always just us and God. Sometimes we do things to other people, we say things to other people, and we experience guilt because of that. But when I consume guilt and my soul consumes guilt, I often find I become a very passive person. I become very reclusive, right? It's almost like I just hide in myself. And I fear uh, maybe that I'll hurt somebody again. I fear that um, maybe I'll hurt myself. Um, maybe maybe I fear that I'm always going to be like this. Uh, maybe I fear like I can, right, no matter what I do, I'm always going to go back to the same thing. And, and guilt, like it drives me to a place of feeling like I've lost purpose and I've lost potential. And I become very passive and I become very fearful. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a really quick story. I had like a whole section on, on shame and guilt as, as like weapons, but I don't know if I want to dig into it too deep on this episode. Um, I think we've all experienced shame and guilt as weapons. I think the church is one of the best at using shame and guilt as a weapon. And I think people who call themselves followers of Jesus can brandish that weapon really, really well and cut down a lot, a lot of people. Um, I'm not perfect and I'm not, uh, I've messed up. I've made mistakes when I was a, uh, when I was the youth director, 
I was in a very, I made a very unwise decision. And it wasn't even a decision. It, it was a lack of a decision. Uh, it was just very unwise in, in, in a scenario. And it hurt a lot of people. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep this so mysterious. I will dedicate an entire podcast to this whole um, this whole thing. I just don't feel like it's the, it's the time or the place here. Uh, but I went over to a family that I that I really, really trusted. The the father of the family was my was my mentor. Literally, I was like, he's he's my he's my uh, second father. That home was like my second home when my parents were still living in Massachusetts, and I was, and I was in uh, and I was in Virginia. Like these guys, these were my this was my second home. I came there all I came over there all the time, and I, I really loved on that family, and they really loved on me. I uh, really trusted both of uh, both the husband and the wife the father and the mother. And, um, so I went over their house and I was just going to be there for them. I, I, I just wanted to talk to them. I wanted to get a few things off my chest, but because I, I just trusted them, but I also wanted to see how they were processing through the scenario that was unfolding. And I remember going over there and, and my feeling was, was pretty much like, you know, they understand me. Uh, I could just speak very freely and, uh, we're going to right, we're going to get through this together. And, you know, I, I had no idea what was coming my way. Uh, the moment that I showed up there, Oh my goodness. Uh, the mom was like yelling at me and, and for like a half an hour, she just took shame and guilt and was just, just cut me up, just cut me up with her words. Uh, they were just fueled with shame and guilt. And I remember leaving that conversation. I remember leaving that scenario and saying to myself, I will never again, let anyone into my life. I remember that's literally, I remember thinking that I was so destroyed. I had, I was so burdened by what I had done, which is so stupid because it was something that I didn't even do. Um, but I was so heavily, I was so, I felt so guilty. I felt so shamed. And I, I was like, I never, I'm never going to let anyone hurt me like that again. And the same token, I internalized that so much. I say, I never want to hurt anyone again. Like they felt so hurt and they were, they were so distraught and they just dumped that on me. And I was, and I quite, I don't want to get super dark, but this is, I think this is just the reality of, um, the reality of this podcast is that we talk about real stuff, but the reality of my life, like I remember going home and I remember just being in bed and that's all I did for like a week, literally. And, and I moved from a place of like, um, I'm, I'm like, I can't believe I did this. I don't want to hurt anyone ever again to like, I don't want to live anymore. Like, I don't, I don't want to get up tomorrow. I don't want to go through this anymore. Right. If this is who I am, I can't even live with myself. That's, that's like where I was. And if it wasn't for like the grace of God and amazing people in my life and my family, like, I, I just don't know. I don't know what could happen. I don't think it would have been good. Uh, and so I've, I've experienced, uh, really heavy uses of shame and guilt. I've experienced shame and guilt being used as a weapon. I know how, um, how damaging it can be. It can be used really, really powerfully in incredibly negative ways and it can destroy the soul and the soul can eat that up and it it can become deep I am statements that are so broken and lead us into places that are so far from the truth, but they feel so real and they feel so true and they feel like that's who we are and who I am. And I, I just, I forget who God, who God calls me to be and who God says I am. 
it's so damaging and it's so powerful uh, when I allow shame and guilt to do what, what it's done in my life. And, but I'm here, <laughs> I'm on this podcast. I'm talking about it. I've, I've, I've come off the other side. I want to talk about that as we like come to a close with this whole podcast. Again, I'm sorry. We, we haven't really gone anywhere. I feel like this is it's almost like an event session for me, but hopefully this is a good conversation about shame and guilt in our life. There is healing. There is healing. You know, we're going to talk about anxiety in another episode in this series, but our church, Red Rocks Church, just went through a series called Attacking Anxiety. And um, I don't usually, you know, uh, I don't usually rave about uh, sermons. I respect them and I, and I appreciate people who do them really well. I used to, obviously, that used to be the world that I lived in. So I, I like, like a good sermon and I, I want to learn from a good sermon. But uh, this whole series was... Oh my goodness, it was uh, just really, really uh, felt very personal. Uh, and, it, and it just, there was just a lot of really great resources. I'm going to link one of them because I, I honestly think in this whole conversation of um, what our soul decides to do with shame and guilt, I think it's so important to have as much ammunition in making the decision as possible, right? As much resources as we can to help guide us towards the, the better use of using shame and guilt, which is to redirect it towards healing, towards uh, towards a relationship with Jesus and allow those things to grow us and build us and allow those things to move us away from from bad habits and, and, and a bad lifestyle towards good things, right? That's, man, I want to do that. I want to do that every time because I'm not perfect and I know I'm going to mess up and I know I'm going to experience guilt again and I know I'm going to experience shame again, but I want to, I want to use it in a positive way. I want to redirect it. I don't want my soul to consume it and take I am statements that are so broken and, and just allow them to be a part of me. Uh, because when I do that, it becomes so much more difficult to give up, right? I know we just talked about this earlier, but connecting the dots, right? When I live in a broken I am statement, the, the giving that up can be scarier than living with it because it feels like it's such a part of who I am. And so, um, oh, I, I just remembered one more thing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey, this is how the podcast goes. Um, when we experience, because this is really important, this is really, 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 really important when we talk about healing. Okay, I was about to start talking about healing and just some of the things I've learned, but I cannot talk about that without mentioning this. Uh, when we talked about the soul in episode one, we talked about it as being both physical and spiritual. It is intimately tied with our physical body and our and our spiritual life. It's integral. They're both a part of it, right? And I often think when we, when we come to topics like this, shame and guilt, anxiety and bitterness, forgiveness, all of that hatred, we stick very close to the spiritual side of things because it has to do with feelings and emotions. We typically attribute those to the, to the spiritual side of our life. We cannot neglect the physical, please, please, please do not regret, uh, neglect the physical, right? My, my life after that conversation with that family was heavily, 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 heavily impacted in a physical way. I could not eat. I could not sleep. I didn't want to do a single thing. I was weak. I was tired. It literally felt like there was a 100 pound weight that was just pressed up against my chest. I didn't know how to remove it. I didn't know how to push it. I didn't know how to get rid of it. You know, in Jewish thought, shame was never, ever just a conversation about something spiritual. To them, shame literally meant this physical weight you put on your body. 
literally i'm not this is not metaphorical i'm i'm not trying to metaphorically say shame it's it's like putting on a it is a weight it is it is a physical weight when you wear shame when you put on shame when your soul consumes shame there is a physical effect it has on your life just as much as a spiritual effect it has on your life so I say all that because I, I want to get to what I'm learning and, and how I'm healing from this, uh, this whole process. And, and this is a really big part. I know not everyone can do this, but please read into it a little bit. There's, it's really important. One, when I experienced that, that um, interaction with that family, um, I knew that I couldn't stay in Virginia any longer. Like I, I knew that my environment was was it was it was becoming a source of destruction for my soul and i know not everybody can do this to hear me out there's a lot of application here i was desperate to leave and god gave me a very clear really cool story there was a friend of mine from college i didn't talk to her in over two, I was like a year and a half, maybe even two years. We ended on really bad terms, mostly because I was just a selfish, arrogant jerk. And rightfully so, that relationship should never have continued ever. It just should not have. There's no reason why it should have. But for some reason, uh, she was close to my sisters. So there was like an odd like possibility that we'd interact which we never really did but so she was close kind of to my family but she was not close we had kind of written each other off she was going to montana because that's just the person she is i should have her on this podcast i think i will she's so cool um but she wanted someone to go with her uh because it's a new job new place new everything and I was quite literally, I don't even know why I was on the list, but I was on the list and I was on the bottom of the list. But she called me. She says, hey, I know we haven't talked in a while. I don't know why I'm doing this. She, she literally, she's like, I don't know why I'm calling you. I just don't. But I'm going to Montana. I'm doing this job. I don't really know. I'm just going to do this job. You're invited if you want to come. And I and I like, I was like, I, yes, I'm coming. She thought I was I, like for the next 10 minutes, I had to convince her that I wasn't just like, just like joking with her. That wasn't just giving her a hard time. Like, I, you know, like I literally was saying, this is my opportunity. Like I'm going to leave this environment. And let me tell you, um, our relationship was restored. Uh, now that I'm married to my wife, she's one of our best friends. Uh, she's actually the one that set us up. There's a whole story. Uh, there's a really cool story there. Uh, she's one of our best friends. Uh, she's an incredible person, super wise. Uh, and that place, Montana, has one of the most dearest places in my soul, in my heart. Because it was an opportunity for me to leave an environment that was not helping me heal and go into the unknown. And it was scary. And there was and there was all this like what if scenarios going on in my head. But leaving a physical place to go to another physical place that was totally new gave me so much space and freedom in my soul to find healing. It is the reason why I am able to do a podcast like this because of that and I know not everyone can just get up and leave I understand that there are a lot of different life situations that you are in whether you're married or with kids or a job like there's tons of different reasons why you cannot just leave but please hear me the people you are with 
and the environment you put yourself in have a physical effect on how you process through shame and guilt. Just like shame and guilt have a physical presence and power in your life when you allow your soul to consume them. I don't know what that means for you. I'm going to just put that out there and I'm going to allow you to continue the conversation. On the spiritual side of things, uh, I think I shared this in a podcast, but it was the after that instance, uh, there was a month before I was going to leave for Montana. I just went to a coffee shop every day, just literally eight to five, and I would just read the Bible. That's all I did. I, I, I didn't I, I didn't have a job because the I, I was a professor. Oh, man, I'm throwing so much stuff at you. I became a professor. The season ended. I had a month off before I was going to my next job. <laughs> and and so I had this one month. I just I just read through the entire Bible. It was incredible. It was amazing. And I'm gonna I'm gonna link this in the show notes. But when our church went through the attacking anxiety series, they put a, some amazing promises to stand on promises that like I am loved I am valued I am accepted I am chosen I am called I am safe I am protected God is with me God will never leave me God will strengthen me God will guide me God will empower me and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going and there's verses all throughout there and I remember reading these verses as I was going through the Bible and my soul was being healed from the weight of shame and guilt because I was redirecting my I am statement that was broken crumbling and was so destructive in my life and I was recentering that I am statement on who God has called me to be and it was so powerful. I'm going to, I'm going to link that in the show notes. Please, please. I'm actually going to do that multiple times because it's so good. Please look at that. Give it a quick read. There's like 20 or 30 of them. They're so good. You definitely don't want to miss it. But those two things, when I began to recognize the physical obstacles in my life that were keeping me from healing and the spiritual places in my life that were keeping me from healing, and I began to address those and attack those, shame and guilt. It was scary. It was scary. But when I began to move away from the broken I am statements and the guilt-driven lifestyle towards a free lifestyle full of grace and love from a father, Jesus... It is. It is so beautiful and it is so freeing. The gospel, right? I remember, oh gosh, what is it? Romans 8, Romans 8, 1, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The gospel is full of freedom when we really truly internalize it and allow our souls to consume that as opposed to the destructive power of shame and guilt. That's all I got for this episode I'm on a journey with you. There's a lot that I'm learning, and I hope that you're learning it too. I would love to hear your story of how you have wrestled with or are wrestling with shame and guilt. I feel like there's a lot we can learn from one another, but ultimately we do this for one reason. We do this to heal our souls. That's a choice we get to make, and I can't wait to continue doing this with you in the next episode. 